This is Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls. Today's show, a bit of a guilty pleasure edition for me. Most who know me know that while I'm passionate about peacemaking strategies and trying, always trying to apply them to my daily life, I'm also passionate about great music. And when those two things come together, well, that's a story I'm happy to tell. In fact, back in 2010, we did tell a story of an especially creative joining of music and peace. An outfit called Playing for Change was just getting some traction, flying around the globe to record an eclectic collection of musicians playing together on some popular songs to promote the power of music to bring us together. In fact, the Playing for Change motto was and still is peace through music. Here's how we described it back then. If you spend any time on a computer and even just have a few people that you exchange email with, chances are good one of them or more has sent you a link to a video saying, hey, check this out, it's pretty cool. And if you do check it out, you become one of tens of millions around the world who have seen and heard this song. It starts plainly enough with an older African-American street singer strumming an acoustic guitar on an urban sidewalk as the afternoon bustle moves around him. He's singing the Ben E. King classic tune, Stand By Me. The caption says the singer is Roger Ridley, and this is Santa Monica, California. No matter where you go in life, you gonna need somebody to stand by you. No matter how much money you got. After a few lines of the song, you still hear Ridley's guitar, but now a new voice enters. Another African-American elder with a thick gray beard, overalls, and a straw hat is seen wearing headphones and singing in another place. When the night has come And the land is dark And that moon is the only light we see The screen flashes his name, Grandpa Elliot, and he's in New Orleans. And where's that washboard sound coming from? Oh, oh, now you see it. It's another street musician playing in clearly another part of New Orleans. His name is Washboard Chaz. Then for a moment, Ridley and Elliot sing together. There's a few quick shots of a young Anglo man at a soundboard engineering all this, then a few shots of an airplane taking off, and another voice from a worn-down alleyway in Amsterdam. Clarence Becker, he has headphones on, and he begins a verse. Then we hear a steady drumbeat, and we see the Native American drum group from Zuni Pueblo in New Mexico beating their massive drum while one elder with headphones on counts out the time. And so it goes, as you listen or watch if you see the video, every voice or instrument that's added to the track is coming from a different musician or group from a different part of the world. A tambourine from the streets of France, a ukulele from the square in Rio de Janeiro, a cello from Moscow, a steel string slide guitar from Italy, more instruments and voices from the Congo, South Africa, Spain, and on and on around the world in harmony. Yeah. 
That's from our show on Playing for Change in 2010, and since then, Playing for Change has continued to add to its collection of amazing worldwide performances. We'll hear some of the tracks from the project's 2018 CD called Listen to the Music today, which included the title cut with members of the original Doobie Brothers who recorded it first. And again, they added musicians from around the world, all contributing to a very special version of that track. Like a lazy flowing river Set on the gossips in the sky Again, we got Playing for Change producer Mark Johnson on the line with us from California to update us on the project. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Great to be here. Now, when we last spoke to you, it was 2010. Your first video in the Playing for Change series, Stand By Me, had 17 million views on YouTube. Then I just checked this morning <laughs> before our interview and that particular video was now up to 68 million views. And I'm sure the number is much higher by the time our audience actually hears our conversation today. And of course, that video has been joined by many more in the years since. Uh, let me start by asking you to talk about a more recent release that you're really excited about, pleased with. I know there's an album out and there's accompanying videos. I was hoping maybe you could tell us about All Along the Watchtower first off. Oh, okay, yeah, that's actually one of my favorites. Um, yeah, so that, that video took about three years to make and really just kind of came out of the idea that, you know, we love making songs like Stand By Me and One Love, where it's really just all about unity. But when you travel the world, you realize, you know, it's amazing. But then there's also this other side where there's starving kids and there's war, so much conflict and poverty. So you realize, you know, it's not just about coming together. It's about coming together and doing something positive for humanity with conviction. And this is sort of a, a song that speaks to that sort of energy where, you know, it's more about uh, urgency. And we wanted to make songs that kind of reflect the times, you know, and what's going on out there. So I feel like uh, that was just, you know, one part of our of our story. You know, we also have listen to the music and songs where it's really all about positivity. But I think All on the Watchtower is a little bit more about urgency. And we really wanted to work with the Lakota and the Sioux Native Americans on the new project. So when I was thinking of songs to work on with them, I just had this idea that it could be really cool to have a, the intro of All on the Watchtower and then cut right to the Lakota native drummers and, and, and singers with a big native chant, just to kind of ground the whole thing and remind us the wisdom of our ancestors and 
you know, and just that we're all much more connected than we realize, you know, but we're also causing each, each other a lot of heart, heartache around the world. And maybe if we all got back to the one group we're a part of, which is humanity, you know, we could look at it differently. So in a couple of minutes, can you track the major steps of how one of these finished videos and songs gets done nowadays from from start to finish? Yeah. You said three years on All Along the Watchtower. Right. Um, just tell us a little bit about the, uh, the making of the sausage here. Yeah, sure. I mean, really, we start with an idea. So in this case, it was the song All Along the Watchtower. Then we had to figure out what kind of key and tempo we wanted this song to be. And we knew we were going to record this amazing Touareg guitar player named Bombino out of the country Niger. We knew we were going to record him on the song. And, you know, people had often called him sort of the Jimi Hendrix of the Sahara. So I was excited to put him on the song. And when we listened to his music, we realized it would be better if we did the song in B minor instead of A minor. So first we kind of come up with our key and our tempo for the song. And then in this case, we hired uh, and filmed an acoustic guitar player from Argentina just to lay down the track from the beginning to the end with a click and uh, in B minor. And he played the song from beginning to end. Now we've got that bass to build from. And then the next step was to just go around the world as we were traveling, find musicians and put headphones on them and add them to the track. I think the, the second thing we added to that was... Um, actually the Native Americans. We went up to the Sioux and Lakota Reservation in uh, North Dakota and put headphones on them. And then, you know, we just slowly build. Um, we had a great singer out of Hawaii named John Cruz that I'd worked with many years ago, one of my favorite singers. So I wanted him to sing a verse. Then we realized once we had him, we want something different, but just as powerful. And that's when the Neville brothers came to mind and we were able to get a hold of Cyril and Ivan Neville to actually play Hammond organ on the track. And then we needed that last verse. But as these things build, it had been about two years in. And I just had a dream that Warren Haynes, I think my brother, Greg Johnson, recommended Warren for that, as well as to take a solo. So, you know, they sort of evolve over time. But there's also so many interesting instruments in that song. Um, and, you know, song, you know, instruments from Ghana and India and in uh, Beirut, Lebanon. And, you know, so we're really just, as we go to do these places, we're just sort of experimenting. That's the great thing is we have a roadmap, but it always changes and we, we don't know what the destination's gonna be. We don't know what the finish line's gonna be. That's what I love about them. They just evolve over time and people just contribute to the songs, but they often do it by, you know, playing less and listening more, which is an interesting thing because they know they're a part of something bigger. So that kind of um, mentality gives us the ability to put a lot of musicians on a song and still have space. Well, what you just said is kind of a metaphor for peace in our world anyway. You know, some people say we should talk less and listen more. Yeah, right. I remember Taj Mahal once saying, you know, in music as in life, people should pay as much attention to the silence as they do to the sound. That's nice. Some kind of way out of here Said the joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Businessman, drink my wine Plowman, dig my earth 
he kindly spoke There were many here among us Who feel that life is but a joke But you and I Are you the one that makes all the decisions about, you know, we need this player's sitar here and we need this creative backing vocal there or, or as you say, the drum group here and a little slide guitar riff there or a washboard there? Are you doing all that? Uh, <laughs> is, is that all in your head? Yeah, I mean, certainly the majority of it. And then it's all mixed and edited here at my place. But also this album was co-produced by Enzo Buono an amazing musician producer from Argentina, as well as Mermans Mosengo from the Playing for Change band out of the Congo, also one of the greatest musicians I've ever met. So we all work together and uh, you know, try to come up with different ways of incorporating all these different sounds around the world together. But those are both people that you met through this project, is that not right? Right, exactly. The family keeps growing every day. Yeah, right, it's amazing. Mark Johnson, do you always go into the field yourself to record every piece of every segment or 
Do you have some team members in places around the world to do it remotely occasionally? Yeah, I would say it's about 95% that I go and do the recording. And then there's always some scenarios where either I couldn't make it or um, we're able to get a local crew. Um, but for the most part, we really just kind of have our own process. So we just do it ourselves. Uh, it's myself and a small camera crew. I have the same mobile studio I've been using, the same equipment, um, you know, for 15 years. It's really the same equipment we used to use with Paul Simon in the studio when I worked with him in New York City. And uh, in the beginning, it's just the difference is just what it's powered by. You know, in the beginning, it was golf cart batteries and then car batteries. And now these little battery packs that make it easy. But the microphones and the mic pre's are the same they've always been. So um, in all along the Watchtower, as you mentioned, we saw some of the Neville brothers, uh, John Densmore, The Doors, Warren Haynes. Um, it wasn't as true in the early days, but nowadays a viewer can really count on seeing several famous faces in the mix with the international players. You've had, I'll just run down the partial list here, Keb Moe, Bono, Keith Richards, David Crosby, Dr. John, Sarah Bareilles, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, you mentioned Doobie Brothers, so many more. How did star players begin to come into the picture and now continue to be involved in playing for change? Uh, do they reach out to you or do you to them often? Yeah, it's a combination of the two. I mean, the very first one to get involved was Bono when he sang on our version of Bob Marley's War, No More Trouble. And it's because we really wanted somebody like Bono to sing the line, you know, until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes, everywhere is war. And I just thought it would be really cool to have somebody that could reach so many people with such a powerful line. Um, and so we first reached out to him actually through our great friend and partner, Norman Lear. And we were able to get Bono involved. And I remember working with him, you know, he was so humble about being a singer on these songs, singing with musicians from Kinshasa, Congo, and, you know, and Ghana and stuff. He just felt really humble. And that was a really cool thing to watch. Some dying, some crying, some And to be honest, the project has always been about music. So we started with the streets just to get back to, you know, what's happened, the voice of the people, which is what happens on the streets. But as the project evolved, it's always been about all kinds of musicians, native musicians, famous musicians. The second really big one that came to us in a different way was Keith Richards. And he had come to us because we had done his version, uh, our version of Gimme Shelter around the world. And he had seen that and was really moved by it and just felt like he wanted to be a part of that too. So I was able to go to New York and sit down with Keith and kind of talk about what kind of songs to do. We ended up doing a reggae song of his called Words of Wonder, and then we segued that into Bob Marley Get Up Stand Up around the world. We'll have more with Mark Johnson, chief producer of the Playing for Change Peace Through Music Project, when we continue with Peace Talks Radio after this break. Won't you listen to me, sister? I keep it oh so Yes, I keep it nice and quiet so I So I can hear you scream Those words of wonder Wonder are the words Babe, I gotta hear yeah. Those words, those words I 
You're listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls. We're online at peacetalksradio.com with all of our programs dating back to 2002. You can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and get most of them there. Also online at playingforchange.com is the archive of great videos produced by the Playing for Change Peace Through Music project that we're checking in with today, which itself dates back to 2002 as well. Musicians from around the world performing great songs for video and CD, occasionally live on tour, raising awareness about how music can promote peace, and raising money to build music schools in underprivileged corners of the globe. Mark Johnson is the chief producer of the music, and he's online with us from California, telling us about another favorite composite song from the project's 2018 CD entitled Listen to the Music. Well, well, one that I'd love to talk about would be, would be Skin Deep, which is a song we did with Buddy Guy across America. Um, the Playing for Change band had toured in Chicago in maybe like 2015. And after the concert, we met some of the guys from the community, and they just had mentioned to us how many shootings were happening in the city and also how much of a big racial divide there was in the city and that they really wanted to use the Playing for Change concept to make a song across Chicago that could unite all these different diverse groups who obviously all share in this amazing music that comes out of the city. So they, they had talked to Buddy Guy about us doing his song Skin Deep and the lyric is, you know, skin deep underneath we're all the same. So we went to Chicago and we filmed and recorded Buddy Guy. Uh, it was freezing cold, so we actually filmed him inside his club, um, Legends, in Chicago. And then, you know, because these songs take a while, by the time we came back for the next shoot to record the Chicago Children's Choir, there were shootings all across America. And we realized, wow, you know, we'd better make this a song across America. And so this kind of can show everybody the ability to you know, take a song with a purpose, unite all different kinds of races, religions, and political views in that song, and it becomes a song across America, reuniting people with intention and with purpose, um, and you just feel it. You know, you listen to the song, you hear the sincerity of Buddy Guy and the Chicago Children's Choir, one of the greatest choirs in the world, made up of such a diverse group of kids. Then we were able to get, you know, Tom Morello and different great musicians across America to get involved in the song. Um, but that was really one that we felt was sort of taking something really relevant here in America and using the lessons we'd learned around the world and applying them here back home. So that was a special song. I've been around a while. I know wrong from right. Learned a long time ago. Things ain't always black and white Just like you can't judge a book by the cover We all got to be careful how we treat one another I say, skin deep, skin deep Underneath, we all the same skin deep skin deep underneath don't we all look the same 
A man in Louisiana never called me by my name. He said, boy, do this and boy, do that. But I never once complained. I knew he had a good heart, but he just didn't understand that I needed to be treated just like any other man. Skin deep, skin deep underneath. child down when it was old enough to know I said out there in this big wide world you're gonna meet all kind of folks I said son it all comes down to just one simple rule that you treat everybody just the way you want them to treat you Remind us, did the Music Around the World videos idea come up first just as a fun, amazing thing to do? Or was there always an idea that it could be a fundraising tool to uh, build music and art schools around the world as it has become? 
Well, I think the original idea for the songs around the world was to remind everybody that before we were different, we were the same. Like we're all part of one group, humanity. And then we live in a world that has us living on so many teams, you know, based on how much money you have or the color of your skin or your religion or your political view. And these things just divide everybody. But these songs, they remind people how much we're all connected because you can see somebody with a different race or religion playing so well together when the music starts. And so I think we always felt like that was the catalyst for the project, was to really inspire people and connect people back to their shared humanity without having to preach or say anything. Just let them feel it and see it, you know? And we're, it was important that they see it, though. That's why they had to, everything had to be filmed. Um, so that, that was really the original concept, was to use these as a tool to connect humanity. But then as you're doing that, you realize it doesn't mean anything if we don't pay this forward and use this as a tool for the next generation. That's when we created the Playing for Change Foundation as we were traveling making the songs and realizing how much music could help just offer hope to people. You know, this has never been about, oh, you gotta be a great musician. This is about, you, music can help you become a better person. You know, and I remember my mother sending me a quote in the beginning from Mark Twain, and it said, uh, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And I remember thinking, you know, a lot of people don't get to travel. And when they do, they don't get invited into all these places like I am because I'm there for their music. So I wanted to show the world the way I got to see the world because this is their world too. You know, and I think these songs have always been... And that's why we make so many of them, because there's always more people to connect, always more people to inspire, and always more different types of music to use, you know, because everybody likes different kinds of music. But music is the through line to help us reconnect our humanity. Yeah, and importantly, as we mentioned in the first segment, years ago, is that it's, it seems very important for you to place the artists outside often in the... Uh, environment. So it is sort of like a travel log uh, experience when you're watching the video. Right. And, you know, what we learned in the beginning when we, we first made a film called Cinematic Discovery of Street Musicians Across America. And in that project, we had made two songs across America, just instrumental and uh, playing and, and blues across America, uh, two songs we made to see how this concept could work. And I remember realizing the, the stories of the people on the streets and realizing sort of that, you know, some, they play a song and, and somebody can just walk by them, stop, listen to the song, see the performance, and their life could change, you know? They can, it's a place to put maybe their bad day before they go home and, or find a little piece of inspiration when they need it most. So we really wanted that kind of feeling to stay, which is really that when people play music outside, there's no separation between them and the audience and nature. And it's just a very natural way um, of really representing music around the world. Yeah, well, I wanna share with you how my partner Susan and I use the videos. Um, we keep coming back to them and the way we'll come back to them is that we'll get a little bit frustrated with the news of the world or we might be a little bit down about something in our personal lives and we'll kind of look at each other and say let's see what playing for change has that's new <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool man then we spend an afternoon you know catching up and laughing and frankly crying and um, 
and it, it's it's a recharge completely. So, I mean, we've gotten that, and I think that's what drives the uh, popularity of it um, as you describe it. Now, I don't want to get too far away from the spirit of it, but I, as a journalist, I do want to <laughs> get a little bit into the weeds here. As the, as the uh, project has grown, how does the money come in to support the foundation? Because I can imagine there's, you know, quite a bit of expenses to travel around the world. And I'm curious if the musicians are always donating their performances or are they compensated? Can you give us a little nutshell about how the money uh, comes in uh, to the project and how much of it can actually get to uh, the kind of uh, school projects that you've, uh, the foundation has added to the uh, endeavor? Sure. I mean, so from the beginning, you know, what we've decided to do is to combine the, our efforts and have it be a for-profit business and a separate 501c3. So the for-profit business goes out and makes the songs around the world. And then maybe, you know, back in the day we would sell CDs or maybe now we license some of the music. And then the musicians in the videos are all paid. And then the featured artists also receive royalties and equity in the, in the videos. So that, for example, was a, pay, a way to pay Grandpa Elliot or Roger Ridley or for Merman's Mosengo to make money for his kids to go to school. You know, we use that as a for-profit business. That's the playingforchange.com. People can sign up, become members. They can buy T-shirts. They can, you know, do all kinds of things in a, in a more formal business setting, music uh, business setting. And then... We have a separate 501c3 that now has built and supports 15 different music schools around the world. And all our schools are owned by the communities. They're all free. And what we do is fundraise. So, you know, we can do concerts and events like we recently did in town with the Doobie Brothers and Little Feet. And they play a concert with the Playing for Change band. And 100% of the proceeds go to the foundation supporting music and arts education. Um, that's one way, for example, to raise money. But the foundation really also has traditional ways of, you know, uh, different events and grants and individual donors. So that's a separate charity, a 501c3 nonprofit. And then the Playing for Change videos and the albums and the touring band, that's all a for-profit business, of which whenever they make money, a percentage goes back to help the foundation but a percentage also goes to help and support the professional musicians that we've been collecting and supporting along the way. Mm -hmm. And again, just to parse it out a little bit, are most of the stars that uh, maybe are doing okay on their own anyway, are they uh, often donating? Yeah, completely, completely donating. You know, it's amazing how much everybody just kind of believes in this. And that's why it's so important to keep it really transparent and to give back to, you know, the communities that invite us into their homes and give us their, their musicians to perform, but also to the musicians that tour the world kind of as the Playing for Change band, becoming the tangible uh, ambassadors for the project, but then also for the future generations of, of kids who want to learn music and art and the communities that want to use that as a tool. Now, I know technically you're not the foundation spokesperson, and we did talk with Whitney in our first program, but uh, if, since we have you on the line, can you tell us some of the more tangible results of the programs um, and the schools that you can point to in a nutshell? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you two that just blew me away. But the first one was in uh, the village of Karina, Mali, which is about a thousand-year-old village outside of Bamako in West Africa. And in this village is made up of musicians and hunters, the entire village. 
And I remember when we went there and offered to create a school with them, actually they had approached us. It's the family of Tumani Diabate. He's a very famous Kora player um, who's worked with Ry Cooter and Taj Mahal. And his family are, are, are from this village. And they asked us to, to go there and work with them on a school. And we said, you know, should we hire the people from the city to come in and build it? And they said, no, of course not. We're going to build it. So for a week, they swam in the river with a bucket and a net, just basically collecting sand and making bricks. And then they said to me, you know, the chariots are coming today. And I'm thinking, where is a chariot? And all of a sudden, you know, a little donkey with a two by four and a wheel comes. They put the bricks on the, on the, on the two by four and go across the river and they build the school brick by brick. Over 200 kids signed up for the school uh, on the first day. And then within a year, you know, they, we entered them in some contests and were able to show people what we were doing. And they ended up getting, for the first time in a thousand years, you know, solar panels that were able to give them light in the school, but also in the maternity ward. And then they were also able to get clean water. An organization came in and dug a well for them now by the school. So for the first time in a thousand years, they had wells and solar power and light in the maternity ward, all from a music school. And I think that's a great example that just shows music is the thing that brings the trust. But then it's limitless what we can all do together. And the second example was in the Himalayan mountains in a school we have in Tintali, Nepal, which is about a 14-hour drive and a one-hour walk from Kathmandu. And we had all these flutes donated from the city, and we brought them to the kids. And the elders said to us, you know, how are we going to decide who are the students? They said, well, we'll line up the boys, and, you know, whoever plays best can become a student. But our guide was a girl from Kathmandu named Rashmi. And she looked at them appalled and said, what do you mean you're going to line up the boys? What about the girls? And they said, no, you know, the girls, they may not want to be involved in this. And she said, wait a minute. And she goes hut by hut, bringing out all these little girls. They line up. One of them, so confident, picks up the flute and just obviously had as much talent as anyone else. And the elders turned to us and said, wow, we've been wrong. We're going to include the women in the arts. And we realized, you know, how many years had it been, right? But what they needed was context without judgment, you know? And that's what music offers people. And so here we had, you know, by creating this collaboration, we created music rights in the village of Tintali, Nepal. Again, these things are, are extensions of what comes out of humanity and music, which brings us back to our collective humanity without judgment. So, you know, the schools are a catalyst to help build a better world, and music is the tool we use. We'll have more with Mark Johnson and more music from Playing for Change just ahead on Peace Talks Radio right after this break. It's Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. 
I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, and today we're checking in with Mark Johnson, music producer who co-founded the Playing for Change Music Project that goes around the world to record musicians playing together on the same song. They make videos of the musicians playing in their hometowns, and they've put out some CDs. The musicians do occasional live shows, in part to help benefit music schools in underprivileged hamlets around the globe. Now here's Mark Johnson again talking about another favorite of his from the Playing for Change 2018 CD, Listen to the Music. You know, a second song I'd love to talk about is um, Afriko Mokili Mobimba. This is a song where, you know, a lot of times as we've been traveling, we realized it would be cool to make a song reuniting all the people that had been divided through different tragedies in the past, like slave trade, for example. So we wanted to record the musicians from the Congo and then Congo Square, New Orleans. Uh, where a lot of the slaves had come. So we went to Kinshasa, Congo, recorded this amazing group, legends, called TPOK Jazz. Then we added musicians in the different islands that we, you know, between Africa and America, as well as, you know, going down to Brazil and Cuba. And then we uh, eventually ended up with the Preservation Hall playing the Congolese horn parts that were written for them in, uh, in New Orleans. So it was really about showing people that music can also reunite people that had been divided and separated throughout history. So in a four minute song made of so much joy, you can really reconnect some, some people and give them a chance to have a new context of connection. Instead of being connected through tragedy, they're connected through positive um, actions in music. And also, you know, when you go to the poorest parts of the world, a lot of times you hear the happiest music. And I think that was amazing, too, that this is the kind of music they're playing in a country that is so poor and so war-stricken and, and poverty-stricken. So it just shows the power of music. I mean, it can lift us up no matter what we face. And that was sort of a great example of reconnecting people around the world. Africa, 
Alingi babina musique africa Africa Il a l'envers en Afrique Just un compas Africa Il a calé Nico Jero Jero Il y a des Il a congolais Il a rythme qui So, uh, Mark Johnson, you know, I run a nonprofit organization and have for almost 20 years now to produce this program. And I know that um, a successful nonprofit is one that can keep alive. (laughs) And, you know, uh, our arc has been sort of steady. I mean, if we make the same amount of money, we can do the same kind of thing every year. And that's kind of what we've been able to do. And obviously, we'd like to be doing better, but we're happy to be able to be consistent. The reason I'm setting it up this way is I'm wondering if honestly, can you tell me that playing for change is on kind of like this steady spot of of sustainability? Or is it uh, appear to be kind of on a slowly elevating growth arc? Yeah, I would say that we really make sure the most important thing is if you're going to open a school that you're going to do everything you can to keep it open. So for us, it's never been about how many of anything. It's what kind of impact we can have on an individual. So each of our schools, that's why they're run by the communities and owned by the communities. So they create the identity and they create the pay scale and the instruments and the process and how it's all going to work. And so I think that offers up really a great way to have sustainability. 
because you're really learning from the people. And then we're out there using the examples that we learn from the people, but also the ability to record and film music and bring that component to villages and places, poorer places around the world, so that people, we can personalize them, you know, so that people can see them and be inspired by them and rethink how they look at the outside world. You know, West Africa is the home of the blues. It shouldn't be looked at as the home of Ebola virus. The difference is how people see the world around them. So for us, I think that's really, you know, by, by recording and filming the music and interviews and performances by the kids and the teachers, we're able to personalize these things. And our YouTube channel is averaging about 200 million views a year in 195 countries. So by constantly growing our audience around the world, we're also growing the ability for each of these programs to touch new hearts, find new supporters. You're right. I mean, running a, a nonprofit is, is always just a constant work to keep them open, keep growing. You know, the economy may go down in certain places, but you still got to keep the schools open. So for us, it's about personalizing and inspiring our growing audience around the world. And like I said, we have 15 music programs around the world. We don't expand beyond that until we have the means to. And so for right now, it's really about supporting those 15, but then connecting them together. So we partner with a lot of people. We partner with Michelle Obama's Turnaround Arts across America in some of the poorest schools. They bring back music and art. And then we connect those kids with the kids that we have around the world through the lens of music and art, right? So that kids around the world get to see the world the way we get to see it when we travel with Playing for Change. So it's not um, you know, something that's ever gonna just be stable. It's always growing because there's always more people who need support and that we wanna connect with and help, but it, we also do it at a rate that we can manage. So there's a combination of uh, expectation or hope for the communities to uh, add to the sustainability, but uh, it sounds like that the foundation is trying to be there uh, as needed to keep subsidizing long enough to just keep it going so that you don't just build a school, go away, and then it's closed in three years. Exactly, we would never do that. So what, what we do is really personalize with the community, come up with a long-term strategy, but you know, not all education is, is supposed to be sustainable. It's supposed to be paid for by people. Right, yeah, so that's what I meant is that they're involved. And that's uh, interesting though too, because when you're describing how they wanted to build it, uh, it's probably much more effective when they feel the community is invested in actually even the building as opposed to having a prefab building brought in, uh, which may be appropriate in some cases, but uh, it's that combination of this is ours, this is how we do it, this is how it should look in our community, and we'll take some support, we love that, but uh, we want to do it ourselves. That's right. It's really all about empowerment and also offering hope. When we built our first school in Gugaletu Township, South Africa, I remember them saying to me, you know, maybe instead of the, the next child being a gangster, they're Nelson Mandela, and the difference is that somebody believed in them. So, I mean, these music schools and art schools, they're really about that. They're about believing in the individuals. And then, um, you know, we, we do our best to empower the local community and then to use that as a catalyst to inspire the rest of the world to help support each other. Mark Johnson, is Playing for Change your only gig? <laughs> you know, it is my life. So, um, you know, obviously I produce music and stuff like that. But, but yeah, Playing for Change is my, my gig. Can you imagine doing anything else? 
No, not after we, we've started this. It just becomes uh, something that where you feel like you want to go deeper into it rather than try to go into something else. We're sort of tapped into something that's very relevant, and I can promise everybody who listens to this that music is the one thing that can connect us in a positive way and has and does connect us in positive ways all over the world. And how long can you see it going? Well, I think playing for change has to go on long beyond me, and, and it's really something, it's a, it's a tool for humanity, really, using what we hear and what we see, combining that together and reminding us we're all the same. So there's always going to be more schools to build, more musicians to record, more hearts to connect. So as long as that's needed, there should be playing for change. Now, are you training lieutenants so that they could take over for you one day? <laughs> you know, the family is growing. Um, and yeah, there's always going to be more people. You know, now we're installing recording equipment and cameras in all the schools. You know, our school in Mali, in this ancient hut, you have a solar panel on the roof and a full recording studio inside. So I get the feeling we're going to be in good hands in the future. Mark Johnson, uh, producer for Playing for Change, thank you so much for uh, updating us on Peace Talks Radio and keep up the great work. Thanks, man. It's been an honor to be here with you. Thank you. I'm going to do this song for my friend back here, Mark. I'm not 
Thank you. My name is Roger Ridley. You can hear more from Mark Johnson. My complete conversation with him is at our website, peacetalksradio.com. You'll also find links there to playingforchange.com and playingforchange.org, where you can find out more about the music, more about the music schools and other humanitarian projects that the effort is supporting around the world. At our website, peacetalksradio.com, you can hear all the programs in our series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution dating back to 2002. We have links to other resources, partial transcripts, pictures there, and we do have a donate button that you can click on to help us continue our work with a tax-deductible donation. We work separate and apart from your media outlet. It's all at peacetalksradio.com. Come and visit. In addition to support from people like you, we also have some support, too, from KUNM at the University of New Mexico. Nola Daves-Moses is our executive director. Our theme music, written and performed by Ali Adelman. I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks for listening to and for supporting Peace Talks Radio. Mm-hmm.